You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Good evening and you're very welcome to this week's Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan and hope you have recovered from the long bank holiday weekend. So to aid you further into the week, coming up on tonight's programme, we have some refreshing wines from our resident wine guru, Ron Forrestal, from Forrestal Wine Merchants. Annie Beresford will join us by phone and Annie is the Assistant Chancellor and the daughter of the founder of French organisation Le Commanderie Défunt Gustier du Duche d'Alençon. Brushing up on my French there. And finally, at the end of the programme, we get a reminder of the fantastic seafood trail that's on the Wild Atlantic Way, thanks to Shania Hennessy from Fulcher, Ireland. If at any point you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can drop me an email to s.noonan at live.ie or tweet me at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. So to start the show off tonight, let's hear the clinking of those glasses and bottles and invite our resident wine guru, Ron Forrestal, to join us in the studio. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. Ron, you're very welcome to the studio this evening. Thanks, Sharon. And you've brought in some summer wines for us. Yes, I thought with the weather improving, and uh, it was very nice um, for the last couple of weeks, really, that it's time to look at some summer wines, especially when people are, you know, maybe heading away, maybe have a a home somewhere else or that and need to take some wine with them and want to get something that's not expensive, but the quality is good and uh, and a bit different as well so that you don't have what you see in supermarkets we try to to look outside that let's not speak too soon about the weather and let's not jinx <laughs> it regardless of whether the sun is shining or the rain is falling these wines can all be enjoyed absolutely, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. okay now my eye is drawn to the first one here because i see vino verde on it yes vino verde is is a, it's a region in in portugal um, anyone who spends any time has been on holiday in Portugal or spends any time there will have seen a whole variety of Vina Verdes. There's hundreds of them on the market. Um, the, we have a couple of them on our list. Uh, this one is uh, Castle Garcia, which is a label you'll actually recognise from Portugal. It's a very well-known label in Portugal. And it's the kind of benchmark Vina Verde. It's the one that comes out every year. Um, it's drank very young. It's a, it has almost a green tinge to it. It gives the idea it has to be drank fresh. It has a slight effervescence in it, a slight bubble. I don't mean Prosecco bubble now, but it has a slight effervescence in it. And it makes, when it's served really cold, it's just the most refreshing drink. And would you serve that really ice cold? Yes, as cold as you can get it. So yeah. stick it in the freezer maybe for a while before you, you're going to open it? An ice bucket is the best way to chill anything. So if you want to, I know it's hard, particularly people are, people are away saying, you know, they have mobile homes somewhere or something. It's very hard to have a fridge with uh, with six bottles of wine in it. It's not easy because, you know, the, the, it's a bit smaller than we have at home. And that I'm saying is just get some ice, um, get an ice bucket. And that can be anything. That can be a bucket. It doesn't matter. Put some water, a uh, bag of ice into it. It'll put in two or three bottles of wine into a fairly big bucket. Be chilled in 20 minutes. And it'll be really cold. Great tip for the mobile yeah. home. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Now, the, the label in that looks very yes. stylish and it looks like it's an expensive bottle of wine. It's not that expensive at all. It costs you around 11 50 or €12. Euros. So it's, it's very reasonable. Uh, now, there is much cheaper wines out there. But I'm if you want something that's nice, you want to just take away eight or ten bottles, or if you have uh, something at home like a communion or something where you want to get something nice and different and get a half dozen bottles, it's a lovely product. So it is. Now, you said that there's a slight fizz to it, like effervescence to it. Right. And 
it's a, is a screw top. It is, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, in terms of opening that and not drinking it all in one go, which I know is a bit of a rarity, but would it yes. still be as good the next no, day? No, it won't. No, like it's going kind to of, once it's opened, it's going to lose its its For pressure in the bottle. In one go. So you're going to have to drink this. There's just no way around that. I'm afraid. <laughs> What's the percentage alcohol? Is it uh, high? It's not that alcohol? high. It's about twelve percent. So it's it's pretty reasonable. Quite high for white, I uh, think. Well, it's, the weather is good, so it's uh, it's gonna it's gonna have that. Uh, well, that's definitely one to try now. The next one is is that a Chilean? I see. It's a Chilean, it. and the reason I, I bring this because it's kind of a slight move against Chilean wine, whereas you know I find a lot of restaurants are looking for a more French house wine or French pouring wine away from Chilean wine. I don't think there's any particular reason for that. I think that Chile has been so popular for the last ten or twelve years that people customers are looking for a variety more than anything else. But this is a product from uh, Vumanent, very old winery in Chile. I think we, we talked about it before, maybe a year or two ago. Um, it's a fantastic product. It's a reserve. It's not a house wine. It's above that on a wine list in a restaurant, uh, retailing around 10, 50 or 11 euros. Um, but of quality-wise, it's an exceptionally good product. Um, uh, this is the brand name is Rayuela on this one uh, from Vumanent, as I said. And as, I think as I told you before, it's my wife's favourite white of all the whites that, that we have. This is her favourite one. Just explain Reserva. If you see Reserva on a bottle, what does that tell you about it? It means different things in different countries. Um, in Chile, it doesn't mean a great deal. There's no specific legislation attached to Reserva. Whereas in Spain, for example, there is specific legislation attached to it, where it means Reservas are for Reds. In Spain, um, take for example Rioja, where you'd have uh, Crianza, Reserva, Gran Reserva. Um, the Crianza would have um, six to nine months in oak. The Reserva has to have over nine months, generally about 12 to 18 months. The Gran Reserva has to have 24 months in an oak barrel, in an actual barrel now. That's the legislation. You can't put that in the bottle. Whereas anywhere else in the world um, that I that I comes to mind has reserva means that the winery um, thinks a little bit more about the grapes that go into this than the other ones, which means they reserve them for this this particular bottling in opposed to have any specific. Is it a bit of a marketing gimmick? It's a bit of a marketing. A lot of people are moving away from it. A lot of wineries are moving away from it. Argentina um, uh, ruled on it uh, last year to say that you couldn't use the word reserva. Um, on their labels unless they introduced um, a specific winemaking to it as in oak barrels and aged and that didn't suit a lot of the Argentinian wines because they drank more is pretty young so they started using the word selected in opposed to reserva Okay, well, that's good to know about the Spanish wine, that if you see yeah, yeah, Reserva, it's, yeah, like it's yeah. a really good bottle. I wanted to ask you then about Chilean wines, I think, have got a bad reputation for generating hangovers. Um, yeah, I, I don't see there's, there's no uh, chemical um, um, uh, added. There's no uh, other thing that should be doing that. Um, bar the same wine process as most other countries, New World countries are using. Uh, the alcohol level tends to be fairly high in them. What is twelve and a half percent in that one? Half, okay. uh, the reds will be up around thirteen, thirteen and a half percent. So the alcohol level is pretty high. They're pretty easy to drink, so they can be drank. Quicker than you'd imagine they can be drank. So um, maybe that's where the hangover So that could be a bit play. of it as well. We're on to Italy then with a lovely Pinot Grigio. Actually, it's from Sicily. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, which is, it's all based under Italian. It's all given the same rules as Italian wine. But uh, this is from Sicily. Um, I, I really like it. It's, it's very different. And if you put two Pinot Grigios together, an Italian Pinot Grigio and this one together, you'll almost feel like this just comes from better weather. You know, it has that kind of fresh feel to it, like lemony kind of citrus feel to it. But a lot of Pinot Grigios are tend to be fairly dullish, 
when you drink them whereas this is much fresher it's a lovely product and it's not expensive at all like under a tenner a bottle it looks like a nice bottle now the yeah. colour of it wouldn't be uh, well it would be greener would it than the than I the think the bottle is doing that to it it tends to be fairly light colour uh, most Pinot Grigios tend to be a pretty light light colour almost water like in appearance really they don't have much of a colour but Pinot Grigio producers tend to colour the bottle slightly and if you if you were in a restaurant and that was listed on it would it would they put it under the Italian section they tend to have a subsection for Sicily I've never seen that in a wine list before so that's very interesting you've never seen a Sicilian wine uh, Nero Davola would be if you've seen that on wine list before that's all Sicily say that again Nero Davola okay. if you've seen that on wine list Italian restaurants would have it as a, as a house wine oh yeah and, uh, this has a sister wine a Nero Davola we need to pay more attention to the fact that it is a different country it is a different country but now Sicily used Italy as much as <laughs> more than Italy is Italy if you know what I mean they're happy to be lumped in with Italian wines because it makes it easier for them to sell and then finally the Gavi yes now this is getting up market a bit now from uh, Gavi is from the uh, north of Italy uh, Piedmont uh, same place you get Barola Barbesco all those real quality red Italians and Gavi is a, is a region there it's like Champagne, it's like Chablis. You have to produce within the region to get the name, uh, using the Cortez grape, which is a bit more full-bodied than Pinot Grigio, a bit more to it. Uh, it's more like a heading towards Chardonnay and opposed to, to Pinot Grigio, which is fairly dry and light. Chardonnay is more full-bodied. But Gavi's a super product. That, and that's a Rocosa, which is a... It, it, you can pay anything for Gavi. You can pay 25, 30, 40 euros a bottle for a bottle of Gavi retail. Um, whereas this is better value cost around 15, 14 or 15 euros and interestingly it has a cork unlike the others it has which a cork, are all screw, yeah. Tap, yeah. screw caps now you can get some Gavis that come in screw caps some of the more cheaper ones you'll see some of them in supermarkets but any of the ones that, that uh, I have another one called Fontefrida which costs about 20 euros a bottle and they'd be disgusted if you ever mentioned or screw cap. I know now you've said before in the show that there really is no reason why all bottles shouldn't have a screw yeah, a screw cap on it. But it does actually give it the sense of a better quality if there's a cork in it, I think. It does. I think the cork is one thing. I think the closure around the cork means a lot too. You know, that that's... A lot of the time you can get cheaper ones that'll end up in cork too because they're... Uh, a lot of the time they don't afford to put them in screw caps more expensive to really, use really is it it is it's more expensive to use because the bottling line tends to be more expensive um, whereas if you go to if you go to Italy or Spain your holidays and look at the stuff the amount of screw caps that are on the shelf it's, it's not near as common as here now we've taken to it very well but they don't see the issue with, it, with the fact that you need that easy to open it they're, they're pretty good at opening them and uh, they don't tend to close them afterwards so they tend to drink a bottle if it's opened so it doesn't have the same um, popularity that it has here but um, so yeah the, the, I think the closure around the cork means a lot um, it's now Irish people funny enough are, are pushing against corks altogether they just they just don't work. I've, we have the amount of restaurants we have that just I don't know whether their staff have got the, the habit of opening corks, but I had one restaurant last week that we put a new wine list into, and after we put the wine list together, about eight or ten wines, a couple of sparklings and that, and the lady rang me again the following day and said she had a consultant in to look at the restaurant the night before, and he said, well, they all in screw caps, all the wine, and I said, uh, well, actually, there's three of them that are not now. I said, I need to change them. I need to change them to screw caps. 
Very is interesting. It? Yeah, there you go. It just shows you that the staff, his his view on it was that why put the staff under that kind of pressure that they need to be opening corks, let them just have something they can open easily. I was surprised by that. I thought that was just a shame. I'd like to have to change the nice products. There were three of the nicest wines yeah, on the were, list. Yeah, there were, turned out. Very unfortunate. <laughs> if you were going to pair any of these wines with food, are they standalone? You can drink them by themselves with no food or do more of them go better with food? Well, the the, uh, the Vina Verde is a real aperitif drink. Um, it's the kind of drink that you sit out in the sun, have little bites of something, um, may not necessarily be a food as in dinner wine that you'd pick. It's more of a, when people arrive, that you'd have a glass of this very cold uh, Pinot Grigio kind of works in the same market that it has you know it's the kind of thing you stand around having a glass of before you go for dinner uh, then when you get to the other two the, the Sauvignon Blanc and the Gavi there's more body to them so they stand up to food much better um, Sauvignon Blanc the Rayuela goes particularly well on seafood salads the Gavi works very well with white meat even stuff that gets a bit heavier like monkfish that would have a lot of you know flavours around it so uh, the first two you can listen. You can drink any of them anytime if they're cold enough. You'll, you've all the fine. you've all the bases covered <laughs> there from the aperitifs right down. I'd say the um, the vino verde might be nice for the dessert as well. Yeah, it's it's it, like it's not sweet now, but it's it's fresh. So that's that's a good idea at the end. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, anything to fantastic. Well, they all look great. Thanks for bringing them in tonight. And if people want to get more information, if they go to forestill.ie, they're listed there. I'm sure. Absolutely. Uh, all listed there. We have a brand new list out. So if anyone contacts us the list, we have over 220 products on it. Time to stock no. up for the summer wines. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Great, Ron. Thanks for coming in Thanks, tonight. Sharon. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by the Taste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, I was talking to Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants about summer wines. And regardless of the Irish weather, it's always nice to enjoy a good quality glass of wine. If you missed that and you're just tuning in, you can catch up on Best Possible Taste on West Limerick 102FM when it's repeated on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast podcast app and it's also on the taste.ie website voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Still to come tonight, we have a reminder of the fantastic seafood trail that's on the Wild Atlantic Way. Thanks to Sinead Hennessy from Fulch, Ireland. We have that to look forward to. And the Burren Slow Food Festival is on this weekend and its theme is Tasty Atlantic, a seafood journey. So Sinead's interview will put us in the mood for that. Next, though, we're heading over to the phone to talk to Annie Beresford. Annie is the Assistant Chancellor and the daughter of the founder of the French organisation Le Commanderie des Fins Gustiers du Duche d'Alençon. And the organisation describes itself as a fraternity and let's find out more about it and why they're in Ireland. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Annie, you're very welcome to the programme. You're the Assistant Chancellor of the CFGDA. What exactly is that? And I'm also the, the daughter of the founder of the, the, the commandery. Uh, it's a charity and we do the promotion of the traditional food, especially the Norman food. But uh, we also organise every year a, a big 
some championship, a European championship of white pudding, of grilled so, traditional grilled sausages, um, of creative sausage, and uh, so the festive product, and also a national competition from the Andouillette. The Andouillette being um, a very special sausage made uh, only in France. You're in Ireland at the moment to promote the competition to try and encourage more Irish entries. Yeah, and also to um, visit the, you know, our competitors because it's quite important for them. So we, we know we just go. Um, it's good for for them if we can help them to promote their own business. That's one of the aim of the confrérie. And you have had a number of entries from Ireland in the past. And in fact, you're down at the moment with Avril Alshar Howe, whose Ross Carberry yeah, products right. have won. Yeah, yeah, yes, they have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been competing with us for a few years now, but mainly in the, in white pudding. They haven't put any sausages yet. <laughs> We're looking forward to see some sausages. <laughs> Tell me why your father started the the organisation. Why my father started? Because my father he used to organise big trade fair, and in Alençon, and he also. So he had in a, in a trade fair. He had um, you know um, exhibitor from you know Germany and so Great Britain and so on and so forth. So he he also realised that um, there was a lot of competition from artisans, um, you know, from the the big supermarkets. So one of the aim was really to promote to help the little businesses. Uh, you know, to to grow, not not to lose the skill, because the way things were going, skill would be lost. My father was an accountant by trade, but uh, yeah, by trade. But as I said, he he, be, he was in charge of a very big um, um, fair exhibition in Alençon, and he had a lot of competitors, and of course, uh, uh, not a competitor, exhibitor, and. Um, you know, this is how we really started. You realize, and you know, there would be a, a loss of trade. And they choose, um, you know, the, the boudin, which is a, black, a white pudding to start with. Then we, then uh, at the, the German ambassador asked if we could put the sausages, so we put the sausages, and that's how it grew as well. And we added up more, more products. The organization is a fraternity then, so you you have people who are members of the fraternity and they're, they're knights of the fraternity. How does that uh, all work? Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, yeah, the knights, basically, you've got to go back to the Middle Ages to really understand how a, a conferee works. It's really, you know, stemmed from the, the Middle Ages. And in the Middle Ages, they, you know, they used to intronize people, make knights, because they want... Actually, um, they really wanted to to have influential people to be able to trade to sell their product, you know. The, and I, so that is why. And these days, we still carry on this tradition. So we've got our knights. They are, you know, influ- usually influential people or people, um, you know, who could uh, promote uh, our confrérie, basically. The French cuisine is that is um, a world heritage, and the confrérie are included into it. So it's a really the traditions as well, you know. Their costume is what the judge used to wear. Uh, the colors, they are um, the color of Alençon, blue with the gold. 
the women is a little bit different. We've only got a cake. But, you know, it's just um, to show that we are judging things. Well, it sounds like it's a really interesting organisation. And yeah, whenever yeah, you look yeah. at the future of it, what are your plans for the future? The objective is really still the same, uh, you know, to help um, master butchers to promote their, you know, to promote their their, their product, uh, to, to carry on the tradition. And also we promote the, the town of Alençon as well. Fantastic. Well, it's been lovely to talk to you today. Um, enjoy the rest of your, your trip to West Cork. OK, thank you very All much. Right. Thanks a million. Bye bye. You're listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie. Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. Welcome back to The Best Possible Taste. I'm Sharon Noonan. And just before the break, I was talking to Annie Beresford and heard all about the fraternity that she's involved in. She's the Assistant Chancellor and the daughter of the founder. And we must congratulate those that have been intronised to the fraternity at a reception in the Celtic Ross Hotel. William and Morris Altshire joined their parents as knights of the fraternity, making them the first Irish family of parents and children to do so. And Artie Clifford, who is the chair of Blossom Erin Irish Food Awards, was also knighted. So I'll have to start calling him Sir Artie now the next time I'm down in Dingle. And earlier in the programme, Ron Forrestal from Forrestal Wine Merchants was in studio with lots of thirst-quenching wine suggestions for us. And if you've missed any of that and you want to catch up on it, you can do so when Best Possible Taste is repeated on West Limerick 102 FM on Wednesday mornings at 8am. And the podcasts are available to listen to on SharonNoonan.com as well as iTunes and the podcast app and it's also on the taste.ie website voted Ireland's best online digital food and drink magazine. Now, time to turn to our final interview this evening. The Burren Slow Food Festival is on this weekend with the theme Taste the Atlantic, a Seafood Journey. And the theme was adopted in response to BIM's Taste the Atlantic Seafood Trail, which was developed in partnership with Fulch Ireland. And the trail is designed to celebrate Ireland's many dedicated seafood producers. And BIM has highlighted that Clare is a region renowned for its shellfish farming with 79 million euros worth of oysters and mussels produced last year. Well, a few years ago, when the trail was in its initial development stages, I spoke to Sinead Hennessy from Fulch Ireland about it. So I've gone into the archives and I found the interview. Let's have a listen. Bon appétit. Yummy. Grubs up. Delicious. Mmm. Sinead, it's great to meet up again. We usually talk about events, but you've one specific project that you're working on at the moment that you want to alert the listeners to. I do, I do. And it's something that we are really, really excited about here in Fulcher, Ireland. Um, Just to give it a little bit of a a background, it's a seafood trail that is on the Wild Atlantic Way. This began, we began developing this last year and piloted uh, a small section of it um, towards the during the season last year and what this seafood trail is is essentially it is it is it is from South Donegal to Kinvara and Galway Bay that section of the Wild Atlantic Way and it matches 11 really fantastic seafood producers along that section with 42 brilliant restaurant and hotel outlets that are, are in that section. And essentially what the 
the, the whole point of this is to really, really celebrate the businesses that are using local seafood on their menus and to highlight and celebrate the fact that we have the best seafood in the world on the west coast of Ireland. There is a lot of seafood to choose from there. So give us a few examples of the types of dishes and products that people could enjoy. Well, there is a broad spectrum of seafood, as you said. So we have the likes of Kelly's Oysters on there. We have Marty's Mussels. We have Mungo Murphy's. We have Abalone. Um, and we have some fantastic smokehouses. And I meant to mention to you as well, actually, the, the seafood producers that are on the trail, a lot of them you can actually go and visit and learn about the production. Um, they have gorgeous experiences in there where you can go in, taste and learn and experience as well so there's there's loads to do on this trail food tourism is huge in ireland at the moment and there's never been a better time to promote your business if it's in that field 42 places it's not compulsory to visit everyone i presume it's a self-guiding tour but it would be very good if, if people could get to every single one and visit each producer well, yeah, and I think it's it's really special. Um, you know, the, the, the businesses along the Wild Atlantic Way, as you said, food tourism has become huge and it's growing all the time. And really, really what we are finding is that the, the local um, restaurants, hotels, cafes, they're really beginning to, to, to source more locally. They're beginning to highlight the fantastic produce that we have in Ireland and it's not just seafood it's it's other things as well but that that is something that's that's really special really important and f- from even from my own perspective as a visitor I'd like to know if I'm sitting in Etna's by the sea exactly where where my my seafood has come from and the story behind that it is a collaborative project so there's a number of of groups involved in it. it I would imagine to make an initiative like this successful you really need the producers and the restaurateurs to drive it and push it that's right so this began this was this came this concept came from um, Bordish Guevara so it is a collaboration between ourselves and BIM of course all of the participants on on this trail have embraced it and are promoting it themselves and if you were to go and visit anyone on the trail they'd know um, they'd be able to tell you some of the stories of, of the seafood producers of seafood along the wild atlantic way and of course be able to recommend the best dishes and the best tasting opportunities as part of the trail from a quality control perspective then what measures have you put in place to make sure that the restaurateurs adhere to to the the program and that they're not maybe using non-irish products well they they all have to sign up to a charter um i think you know um when when we started out with this, the the, the restaurants and the hotels have been nominated by the, the seafood producers. So basically, you know, if if a if a restaurant or a hotel is listed on the trail, then it has been verified that it is um, sourcing local seafood and it's featuring local seafood on its menu which is really important and it's really comforting from a, a consumer's perspective as well. And given that this is the second year of it, it obviously was very successful last year. What was the feedback from consumers and from the, the restaurateurs and producers? Well, like that, um, you know, the, the, the trail, the feedback from the consumers was that it was great to eat local in local establishments 
um, a great peace of mind there. Um, obviously, the, the the whole localization in food is is really really important and it's something our visitors want. They want to eat in local establishments and they want to eat in local food in local establishments. So that is really important. As well as that, we there was a huge surge in in sales from a seafood perspective, from a business seafood perspective, um, from the the participants of the trail, which is is really good. Um, if there is a surge in sales from a um, from a restaurant perspective, it means that there being there, there's more being consumed more being experienced and and the, the visitors are getting a better quality product. Last year there was an event on in uh, in the Galway area Food on the Age which mm. is very much geared at chefs worldwide chefs come and present and then a lot of the Irish chefs as well as the public were welcome to come to it also but I did hear that as a result of that and from those international chefs visiting different restaurants and different producers in the area that a number of and in particular I'm thinking in particular seafood mm. is now available in some Michelin star restaurants in different parts of the world that's right we're seeing it um, and, that, and and that's that just shows the 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 I think the importance of food we're seeing um, this pop up ever since food in the age um, Sharon I think Kelly's oysters has been um, featuring on a lot of international menus um, because like that these chefs came over Albert Adria Nathan Outlaw they came over to Galway they went out they visited Dermot in, at, on the on the seashore looked at the oyster beds tasted the oysters and said that they need to have them in their restaurant and that's really really good it's a really really positive thing for for the Irish food experience and for Irish food I think sometimes we're guilty of not appreciating or not knowing what is actually on our doorstep and I don't think that's just an Irish thing it's probably a worldwide thing so it's Mm. actually very important for people to get out there to think more about what they're eating to ask questions about where it's coming from absolutely I think you know from even from a, a, a domestic consumer perspective we are becoming very very sensitive to 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 where our food comes from um and and this whole concept of ethical sourcing making sure that the businesses that we are buying from are are feeding into a local community and we're not um purchasing things that have been mass produced or or i suppose imported the carbon footprint of 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 imported foods and stuff like that people you know like like the domestic market they're very very concerned about that we're seeing a huge rise in that concern and it's and it's actually a worldwide global um global concern that people have so from an international visitor perspective from tourism our visitors want to come to the world away they want to come to ireland they want to come to dublin and they want to experience foods of that area um, and from that area and i think it's really important that we celebrate and highlight when when people are doing that right. And that's what this seafood trail is about, really. You said now, this is the second year, so the mm. the, the length of it, for want of a better word, has been a bit extended from last year. If, mm. it's, if it's successful again this year, which I'm sure you hope it is, and it will be, I'm sure. I'm sure it will be. Will it be extended then next year? Will it incorporate, come down a bit more? <laughs> well, I can't really say if it'll go up or down. Um, because it'll be going round. <laughs> if it went further up, it'd be going round. Yeah. Well, certainly, like that, it is a phased basis. Um, and it's it's not what I, I think it's, it's, it's not an initiative that we'll ever be finished with. Because whilst we have put this map in place, this trail in place, it, you know, that we, we, we want our visitors to experience when they come to the Wild Atlantic Way, 
there's loads of other things that we'll, we'll be doing um, with the participants of the trail going forward just to develop the experience more. So we'll be looking at signature dishes and, you know, really kind of educating the 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 other restaurants and hotels within that area, the importance of local sourcing. Um, but as well as that, we hope to extend it and expand it and, and, and allow it to grow. But it will be very much a phase by phase basis, I think. Where can people get more information? You can get more information on the Wild Atlantic Way website, www.wildatlanticway.com forward slash food. It's all on there. Fantastic. We'll, we'll check it out then. Shanid, what's your favourite uh, seafood? Oh, it would have to be oysters. Yeah, I'm have a bit to of be. an oyster fan. Oh, natural or what do you like with oh, them? Oh, natural, natural. Yeah. And you know what? I'm becoming a bit of a, a an oyster snob. Ooh. I know, I, and and I and I can taste um, the differences between the, difference. the west oh, and the okay. east. Yeah, wow. yeah. Now I'm not going to tell you which ones are my favourite, but. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they're they're becoming a bit of a, uh, we're, we're all becoming a bit of connoisseurs, aren't we? No, I think an oyster snob, you want to say an oyster snob, know, but you don't want to I say it. I am a snob, yeah, I'm an oyster snob, yeah. Come here, it's great to talk to you as always, thanks for your thanks. time. Cheers. Chin chin. Salut. Schleinte. A great reminder from Sinead there to get out and enjoy the wonderful seafood that we have here in Ireland. Now, before I go, I want to wish JP and Regeen a huge congratulations on celebrating 10 years of Cava in Galway being open. What a super milestone for a wonderful tapas restaurant in the heart of Galway. And here's to the next 10 years, lads. Well done. And on that note, we are at the end of tonight's show. Be sure to get in touch with all your food and drink news, stories and recipes. Drop me a line anytime to s.noonan at live.ie. Thanks so much for tuning in and to my guests Ron Forrestal, Annie Beresford and Sinead Hennessy. I'll be back at the same time next Tuesday so until then have a great week and bon appétit. Thanks for listening to The Best Possible Taste with Sharon Noonan. Sponsored by thetaste.ie Voted Ireland's best online food and drink magazine. To get in touch with The Best Possible Taste email Sharon at SharonNoonan.com or tweet Sharon at Queen of Org as in Queen of Organisation. Bon appétit.